Hello, Princeton King. Hello, sir. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. So I met you. It's probably been. I mean, I first kind of met you tangentially at I think it was Next Level Pro. You were announcing. That's that. right. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, and I could tell. I, I I could tell by the way you announced. I remember thinking in my head because I served a mission for my church in Indiana, which is very. Mm -hmm. Kind of the north of the Bible Belt, a lot of apostolic Pentecostal and Baptist churches. And mm -hmm. just the way you announced, I was like, he sounds to me like, like, like <laughs> yeah. And the more I learned about you, I realized you are a preacher. <laughs> yes, uh, J Justin Caton, uh, who I love so much, my, my, uh, the boss of the CEO of Next Level Pro Wrestling, man, he said, man, when you get up there, you use your preacher voice. <laughs> This yeah. has been a dream. It's a dream come true. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little something about Justin. So, so there were uh, uh, when I I got involved in the pro wrestling scene. I want to say ninety seven, ninety eight. Okay. Right, right down the street from Next Level Pro was Pro I Am Wrestling back in that time, and yeah. old Oliver John was the trainer. I'm sure Justin's probably told the story. Yeah, he told that part. Yes. So, so I walk in there and I'm there for about two months before it closes down. The one of the first guys I met, well, there were two guys that I remember specifically meeting first day, Alexis Derevko and Justin Caton. And, oh man, yeah, and and I'll tell you the cool thing. I don't know if Justin even remembers this, but so Ollie told me the first week he was like, we train. I think it was like Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Thursdays. But then he said, and then we come in on Saturday like at you know 10 a.m or whatever and we're here till like whatever time so i thought he meant like all day and so i was i told my mom i was like drop me off on on saturday drop me off at 10 don't come back and pick me up till three <laughs> wow. so, so i get out there and everybody bails justin was the only one who stayed he's like i'll stick around and we just sat there watching wrestling movies together. I don't know if he remembers that, but I really appreciated that because otherwise I was going to wow. go the warehouse by myself. So, Man. yeah. And it's, it's, awesome. It is just so cool to see that all these years later, 25 years later, he's running a successful pro wrestling. Pro yeah. Man, I mean, this level has taken off. It's amazing what's just, what's just taking place there at Next Level. And and uh, Justin, yeah, he is. I try not to get to I, I get emotional. I, I'm gonna let you know. So I'm trying to That's be okay. cool. I'm trying. It's, it's, Justin is just—he made my dream come true. Him, uh, Michael Shaw, the, the main event, Michael Shaw, um, CJ Dirt, Matt Freeman. Um, Those—it was really those four right there that gave me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do. Because I was supposed to be an interviewer, and they said, "Well, they need a ring announcer." I said, "Well, I'll try it." And I've been I've been doing it going three years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you bring you definitely bring a a great, um, like I said, I, I've always loved, I've always appreciated the the uh, kind of. I know you're you're kind of uh, have a center in bap in the, in the Baptist Church, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so I've always appreciated the way, like I said, Apostolic Pentecostal and and Baptist ministers preach because it's definitely it gets your attention. And oh yeah, <laughs> you, you you got my attention as the announcer, and it was and it's cool to see because when I first went in there to see Next Level, 
um he, you know justin didn't have any of that stuff up there like he he hadn't really it was like one of the first shows i mean it was just kind of like a bare warehouse of the ring in it right and to see now he's really turned that into a, a legit i mean it's it's a fun place to go it's a cool place to work well yeah. you know what's amazing about you is it this about i never got to tell you this it's about you mm-hmm. um but because when you came when um i i i i, I seen you Sometimes we would say, hey, how you doing? That was it. That's it. Right. You know, when, when we saw each other next level. Uh, see, that's like, that's a big, tall guy right there. I thought <laughs> about wrestling. And then, like, years later, on a, on a social media post, uh, uh, I saw you wrestling. Like, oh, you is a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I took a long break. Yeah, I took a long break. I. So I ran wrestling, a wrestling promotion from 2009 to about 2013. Whoa. Yeah. And we did, we did a lot of cool stuff, a lot of charity stuff, but ended up hooking up with new Japan wrestling and new Japan pro and, and hooking and doing a bunch of cool stuff like that. And then I got, I got done with law school and started my job and I just didn't have the time to continue it, but it's really cool to see because when I started doing wrestling, North Northern California. I mean, you were lucky to get a hundred people at a show. You know, it was really. Oh, it was it was real small, and then um, and then right around the time uh, you know Hood Slam came around, and Hood Slam really started blowing up, and it kind of was one of those situations of, you know, rising tides rises. You know causes all rises all ships right and so as soon as they started they started really blowing up and then also with the advent of aew it really blew up and now indie wrestling is kind of on an upswing oh my goodness and so now everybody's drawn big numbers and it's at least bigger numbers than we were back then i mean back then i would draw three four hundred people and people would be like that's insane now it's common to draw two three hundred and wow you know, and, and that's, and it's great for everybody, you know, it's great for everybody because everyone's getting a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, promotion and, and getting a lot of looks now you, uh, so, so tell me, have you always been a wrestling fan? Oh man. I, I, and I, I'll give you this. I've been a fan, find out, found out. I've been a fan since I was two years old, um, mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Um, my, they said my great grandmother, the late uh, Gladys Brayboy mm-hmm. um, basically raised me. Um, yeah, basically raised my my parents worked all the time. So um, mm-hmm. my great but my great grandmother put me in front of a TV. I guess it was Macho Man mm-hmm. in nineteen. It had to be nineteen eighty four. It was Macho Man, uh, and he was in the match. I don't know what match it was, and and I sat there and watched it, and and then um. And then the whole wrestling program, she said, I did not move. They said, I, I didn't move. I just sat there and just watched the wrestling and everything. And so every time it would come on, I would it would get my attention. And um, and then after that, I got rested. So uh, my uncle um, Vince Abrams, it was my uncle Vince Abrams, um, who passed, who was murdered in San Francisco in 1990. 1995. I want to talk too much about it, but um, he, he took me, him and my dad, my stepfather. But I, I call my dad because I have his last name. Um, biological last name is Dozier, but um, I have my stepfather's last name, which is King. Um, but 
but my stepfather, my father, you know, he took me to my first him, him and my uncle Vince, they took me to my first wrestling match out the Cow Palace in oh, San Francisco, oh. California. So I'm a Cow Palace kid. I was every yeah. time they came, I was there. Who do you remember uh who the main event was of the show you saw? The I don't remember the main event. I do remember this. Hercules Hernandez oh, yeah. had a tag team partner. They were they came out with a chain. He wore black trunks. This mm. is what I remember. He wore black trunks and he came out, and that's when he was healed and mm. everything. And I remember um, I don't remember the main event. I had to be honestly, I had to be about five years old. Yeah. I still remember that to this day. Wow, that's awesome. Man, I remember my my aunt took me to my first event at the Arco Arena. And yes, and the main event, I don't remember any other match on the card, but I remember the main event was the British Bulldogs against the Dream Team, Greg Valentine and Bruce Beefcake in a steel cage. Wow. Oh. And, uh, and I, I lost my voice. I think I, I had to have been four or five years old, and I lost my That's voice. every time. Yeah. <laughs> That's every time I used to go. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's – Man, it, it's so interesting how wrestling grabs you. It's funny you bring up the Macho Man. Last night I was driving home, I was playing laser tag with my kids, and I and I drove them home, and we were talking about wrestling. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I was telling them how different it was back in the day. And we were talking about how you know Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, they just didn't understand. They're like, you mean they were bigger than Roman Reigns? And I go, yeah, let me show you this promo. And I just showed them mm -hmm. like promos of the Macho Man. And they're like, that guy is crazy. And I'm like, yes, yeah. it is. and that's why we, that's why we loved it. You know, it was yeah, exactly life. So, it was naturally him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the crazy part. It was naturally him. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. promos the way he talked. That was that was actually him. Yeah. Now tell me, you you mentioned so you you grew up in the Bay Area. Did you grow up in San Francisco proper or somewhere else? San Francisco uh, and Delhi City at the same oh. time. Oh, okay, Daly City. Yeah. So, um, and, and we were talking a little bit off of air. You mentioned you didn't you didn't feel like your upbringing was particularly rough. Um, do, but do, I mean, tell me more about your your upbringing. You, you mentioned your stepdad, who basically was your father, and your mother worked yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah. How about your they siblings? I'm sorry. You have any siblings? Yeah, I you, you uh, I have a uh, brother, uh, Daniel Daniel King. I love oh I love to death. He's he's here in Stockton. Um, he's, he's a warehouse worker. He, he's doing good. Um, and my baby brother, you, I, I believe you know who my baby brother is. Who's uh, that? He wrestles for Next Level Pro Wrestling. Uh, the young gunner, Chucky D. That's my baby oh. brother. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. He's oh, taking man. off. Yeah. He, um, he's teaming with Vargas, right? Uh, uh, Tony Vargas <laughs> and everything. And yeah. I, I love Tony. I yeah. love Tony. That's a, that's a whole other subject. We'll, we'll get, if you get to that book, that's fine. But Tony Vargas has been a major blessing um, to me, my brother, to the whole wrestling um, uh, school. Man, he doesn't get enough credit that he deserves. I'm sorry, I had to say it. I had yeah. to get that off my chest. He does yeah. not get enough credit that he deserves. Well, Tony's a great guy. Well, there's obviously something going on because I see all the pictures and they have a a ton of students. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, that thing has exploded. Yeah. It has exploded. The last event. It was so we we we're in so dire need of a building. Hopefully, the now that we're working with the city of Sacramento, hopefully they can get us a new building. I mean, I, I'm grateful for we're grateful for where we're at. We're grateful for 
the door that was open for us. It's not that you know we don't like the place because we love the place, but we don't have enough room. There were chairs lined up on the outside. Yeah, of yeah. the building, it's, it's too okay. many people. I remember talking to Justin at the last event I was at, and I remember telling him, like, good problem to have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, yes. It's better, it's better than the alternative of having too big a place with not enough people showing up. I exactly, mean, exactly. As as someone, another thing, I, I ran a, you know, I ran a wrestling uh, training school for a little while uh, out of okay. It's hard to get people, you know, it, it's not easy. So the fact that right. he's able to get so many students and not only get them but they consistently show up is huge yeah yeah, yeah i mean they're there all the time yeah i mean all, and i get sometimes uh the jealousy part of me because i want to go to training and everything i work for tesla factory in fremont yeah. california and mm -hmm. i work 12 hour shifts yeah all the time and stuff and um and so it burns me out number one um and then two, the school's a little, 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 little far out. You know, Sacramento. Sacramento's not that much of a drive. But then, because, you know, we have to have a balance between family. Mm -hmm. I have a balance between, you know, work and plus my, my, my dream of the wrestling business. You mm -hmm. know, but I try, and then ministry. So I try to balance everything out and everything and stuff. But is my love in professional wrestling? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely, my, it is, you know, it is there, you know. And some days, I just, a lot of times, I, I'm always working on practice nights. I'm always working. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up. You know, the the balance because uh, I mean, I feel you, man. I'm I'm doing this podcast. I'm wrestling. I, mm -hmm. you know, I I'm an attorney and I'm a busy trial lawyer. So I mean, always nice. always got something going on. Got my kids. You know, all that all right. stuff. And uh, I heard someone one time, actually a leader from my church, who asked, you know, how, how do you get a good balance? He said, uh, there's no such thing as balance. You're just a guy with, you're just one of those jugglers with with dishes on poles. And you're okay. kind of thing. And he's like, and every once in a while, something needs a spin. And you're just spinning the thing that needs a spin. And wow. That, that's, I think that's a great analogy because, yeah, like you're juggling, you're juggling family. I mean, you got kids, right? right? You know, you got a wife. Yes, I do. You're you're juggling that. You're juggling your you know your ministry. You're judging juggling a, a demanding job, and then you have this dream to be a part of of the pro wrestling scene. You know you got to balance all that, and it sounds like you're balancing it okay so far. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's it's and it's getting better. It's really mm -hmm. getting better uh, yeah. and stuff. And, and 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 I'm just grateful for the journey. You know my um not it's not to brag, but you know I look at my my um. My oldest son graduated. He's in. He's in college. He's um, he wants to own his own uh, automotive shop. Uh, as an automotive technician, gonna be ASC certified. He's he's working on all that. He knows cars like crazy. He, he knows how to work on cars and do that stuff. All I did was just teach him how to change a tire. That's that's all I did. <laughs> that's all yeah. I, I did. I, I taught him how to change a tire. And he he started. You know when um my wife and them broke down in Sacramento coming that the Stockton. Um, I was I'm, I was saying, okay, I'll be on my way out there because I was not too far out there anyways. For some reason, I was just out that way, and um, and my wife and my wife called me. I said, all right, we were on the way home. I said, what you talking about? I thought you had a flat tire. She said, no, Zion went out there and changed the tire. I said, oh shoot, <laughs> yeah. nice. He, 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 you know, he did that, and his friends brought down, you know, changed their tire, 
And then he just started looking at breaks. He started looking at everything else and started learning stuff on YouTube. And then he just he just loved it. Then my daughter, I'll give you just a quick history. My my uh, 15-year-old daughter, you know, this says that she's autistic, but she's high-functioning. She has mm. Asperger's. This is the same mm. as Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, autism. And she has a 4.0. She's been having a 4.0 for years. And oh, she's wow. 15 years old. Wow. So tell me, yeah. now dealing with that, so what are some of the, I, I don't know a lot about autism. I know a little bit about it. This okay. So what is it? I, I, I understand what high-functioning is, but tell me, does she have some issues with social cues or what is it that yeah. she has issues with? Okay. So she... Uh the weird part is she's like really overcame a lot of it. She didn't really like a lot of people touching her mm -hmm. and, and everything. And like now it doesn't bother her depending mm -hmm. on like, if you were to shake your hand, she'll shake your hand mm -hmm. and she'll talk to you. She'll, she'll talk if you want, if you want to talk to her. And so she's, she's, she's more social than she, what she used to be, mm -hmm. but she still has a guard up and in, in like with certain people, like you still talk to you. But some people say, is she just not feeling you? <laughs> she's just yeah. not, she's not going to talk to you. She's just like, look at you like, okay, okay, starting to creep me out. That, that's how yeah. she is. Well, I've noticed, I, I've, I've understood that some um, people with autism, they're very sensitive to like the, the, I guess the positive or negative energy in the room, you know? Oh, like, yeah. So like if somebody, you know, if somebody gives off a bad vibe, it can it can set them off. And also I, I do know that there's something about patterns that are important. Mm -hmm. You know, like if if they have a certain pattern of how they do certain things. Yeah. That, that if that gets disrupted, it can be problem. Oh, it, it can be bad. Yeah, it can be bad. Um, but with her, you know, and that's one thing we try not to disrupt her patterns. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, you know, she's. You know, University of the Pacific, Stockton's already looking at looking at her right now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, well, you're, yeah. You're looking at an alumni. I went to McGeorge, so that's how I. Oh, I really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's a good school. Yeah, so she, she, so she, she's uh, that's for music, because um, oh. she's a musician. She plays, she plays trumpet. She plays drums. She plays piano. Um, she just picked up a guitar last year. She's so she's learning that too. Ah. So does, she's trying to so does learn she, everything. Does she play for the church? Yes, she does. She's our drummer. Oh, nice. Because so yeah, I uh, I played. My my grandfather was a music teacher, and so mm -hmm. I did. I played the trombone, and my son, nice. my son's a big time guitar player. My daughter, she's a drummer. And, uh, and they, uh, yeah, it's, it's music is such a good way. It also helps. It helps a lot with like, surprisingly, both of them are really good at math because of, and yeah. I, I think yeah. music has something to do with that. Having to keep a beat, having to, and it helps them with dancing. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, having to, having mm -hmm. to understand a rhythm, you know, it's really helps them. So, well, that's great. And you, you said you had a third, right? Yes. I, uh, my, um, baby boy, junior, he's eight years old. He's eight years old. Mm. Um, he has autism, mm. and um, he's is just a little a lot different. He um he he's social now. He he but he you you're not gonna always understand what he's saying. Mm. So mm. he's is is you know text is verbal and um he's a part like of a a a, a certain class for like autistic kids mm. and everything, but he he likes to he, he 
He he's a great kid though. He's a great kid. He loves wrestling. Oh, awesome. he loves he loves going to the, you know, you know we had the practices or we go up there. Um, Justin, Justin, and all the let let the you know, let them go into the ring. Um, even my nieces, the different ones, <laughs> nice. they get in the ring. Um, you know after after the practice is over or whatever. I know. Um, I know like uh, Tony Vargas is in the ring or, or somebody in the ring. You know. They'll go mess with him, and he'll he'll go play with them a little bit and stuff. <laughs> Different wrestlers and stuff, yeah. So, 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 he, so real quickly, your daughter. It sounds like what you're saying, and, and forgive me if I get the lingo wrong, but it sounds like your daughter is in just kind of the class with the neurotypical kids. Like she can, she can, she's functioning oh, enough. She goes to regular regular classes in high school and stuff. But you're, you're oh, she's an AP. AP classes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's an AP class. She doesn't. Um. She's not a part of no special ed program or anything like that. It's funny because they um in the first grade they had started her off in that um and then they tried to go to the fifth grade or something like that to keep her, but it just wasn't working. It just worked. Yeah. She was just. It was, she she felt she wasn't learning anything and and she was too too. I gotta say. She was high functioning, and she was just she knew a lot. And so, matter of fact, let me go here. The doctor had gave my daughter medication for autism. My God, and oh God, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Gave her medication, and she was kind of tripping out a little bit. And me and my wife prayed, and I'm I'm going back to you know about the Lord and everything. We prayed, and and um. We took her off the medication, and when we took her off the medication. She just excelled. Hmm. She climbed. I mean, she just kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing, kept climbing. And um, my cousin, um, uh, um, Anthony um, Bryant out of Los Angeles, came and spoke at my church, and he told us he said, "There's nothing wrong with her. Hmm. There's there, there's there's nothing wrong with the girl. You know, you know, doctors may say one thing, but God will always say another thing, which is true." You will always, you know, because when people give up on you, God won't give up on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I can I can tell that God plays a major role in your life. Tell me, oh you, man, we were talking we were talking a little bit off air, and you mentioned that you kind of grew up in church, but it really didn't grab onto you until like the early two no. thousands. Perhaps you can tell yeah. me how that how that kind of came about. Okay, I grew up at the Greater New Jerusalem Baptist Church in uh, San Francisco, California. Under the leadership of Pastor Eric Gillette, he's still alive and doing good. You know, he's like another father. There's another story behind that, too. Uh, he's mm -hmm. like another father to me. And I still talk to him to this day. He kind of took a different route um, when it comes to a different route in a way. Um, but um, I'm, we're, still, we're still good. And I'm, you know, I'm going to keep it like that. Um, but and, and there was nothing wrong with what he taught. There was nothing. I was just, I was in my own world. I was just. Trying to go, you know, hang with my friends and, uh, you know, had my porno issue. <laughs> mm. I, I had, you know, I had, um, you know, just don't, I, you know, de dealt with bullying, getting bullied because mm. I was a fan of wrestling. Um, mm. in school, I, I, I went to the bullying, oh man, and, and stuff. Um, mm. And I, but the problem is, I allowed it. That's the issue. I allowed it. You know, I really stand up for myself. Now, you let me stop you right there. What do you mean by you allowed it? Can you tell me more about that? I never wanted to get in trouble. Hmm. I've always been a person that don't want to get in trouble, don't want to go 
No juvenile hall. Go to. I've never been there. Don't get me wrong. Jail, juvenile hall, nothing like that. And I never wanted to get in trouble. So a lot of times I just didn't defend myself or just walked away. They're like, yeah, you know, you're there watching wrestling. Ah, you know, you, you know, you need to be doing this. You need to be playing football. And and even family did that to me. You know, just made fun of me behind my desire for wrestling and being and wanting to be in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, Road Warrior, I'll never forget this. Road Warrior, I don't know. To talk about that, but if you, I don't know. I kind of it. No, nah, I, I, I can tell it. Give it a little bit. Yeah. The World Warriors and Dave Hebner came to, I don't know. Oh, well, whatever. Came to yeah. the Cow Palace to do autographs. Uh-huh. And um, me and my cousin Rich, Richard, I need my my biggest name, Richard McKinney. He we um we was big fans of it. Uh, of uh, the Road Warriors, we were we were fans, and everything. you know, I love Demolition. That was my team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Man, you know, they don't get enough credit. But um, we liked the Road Warriors too, and uh, he would be Animal, I would be Hawk, and so you know, you know, just we was that you know play around as kids and stuff, you know, and everything. And so when it came to the autograph session, I, I you know went to. Uh, I told my Hawk, I said, you know, I'm a big fan of you, you know, me and my cousin and everything. And, you know, I'm so happy to get an autograph, you know. I said, what? And I said, what? And I asked a question. I didn't know I was young. And then, you know, he said, I said, what can I do to get in the wrestling business? He said, he said, I don't know, ask your cousin, now I'm at Johnson. Uh-huh. I was like, ask my cousin, I'm at Johnson. I was like, I don't know. He's, he's, and I said, I said, no, I don't, you know, I don't know him, you know. So how I get in there, he said, he said, ask your, your cousin of The Rock. I'm like, okay, so I see where this is going. Right. I said, okay. Yeah. So that that broke me. And then Dave Hapner back there laughing and everything, you know, with them and stuff. So okay. Mm. Not knowing that I'm in the wrestling business now. Um, yeah. but I didn't I didn't hold that against them because people are just gonna be people. Yeah. And Did I'm you, always having to forgive you know, me. I wanna ask you a little bit about that if you don't mind, because it's interesting what you say, and and I and I wonder culturally if this is a if this is something that's different like like for example you said you never wanted to get in trouble you never wanted to go to juvenile hall mm-hmm. were, you, were you in an area where a lot, like people around you were going cuz cuz like for me in my oh, heck yeah yeah that's what i'm saying right is this is this is might be like just a cultural difference because for me like i i also <laughs> Never I, like I got into trouble, but I didn't want to get into a lot of trouble. But it never, right. it never occurred to me to think I might go to juvenile hall. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, right. and you're you're sitting here and you're thinking as a kid, like I'm I don't want to go to juvenile hall. I don't want to get in that kind of trouble. And right. so, so uh, tell me what you think because you said you'd never been. Sounds like people around you have had been. Oh heck yeah! What was different about your upbringing that got you away from that? You think? Out of praying family, and mm. it, 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 there's nothing else to say about. It. I mean, and and I mean that you know, respect. You know, out of praying family, my mom prayed. Dad, dad. Oh my God, my, my stepfather. He, you know, I, I call him my dad because he basically raised me. Um, was on fire for the Lord. Um. Uh, and then my grand grandfather was a deacon. Grandmother was an usher. Great grandmother uh, uh, taught me how to pray. 
<laughs> and so, and so a lot of it, it, it came from just having a praying family and then also never wanting to disappoint them. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. always been the type of person who I've always wanted to be accepted by my family, even though now it's not really the same. Like mm. it used to, I kind of cut some of my family off. Mm. Um, being honest with you, I love people and I love people and everything. But if, if like I said, I'm 41 years old. And if you're going to keep being disrespectful towards me, I have to set some boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, you know, I got to tell you from a, from my perspective, I got a lot of respect for that because it is the hardest thing in my, like oh. I, I work on it. It's the hardest thing to take to hold those boundaries with people you love. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. Because you, you, like you said, you want to be accepted. They're your tribe, right? Yes. Yes. And, and uh, but yeah, keeping those boundaries when people are hurting you, disrespecting you, disrespecting your family, hurting your kids. Like, right. You know, you, at some point you got to say, hey, I love you, but I got to love you from afar. Exactly. Because what, what got was my wife. My mm-hmm. wife told me, she said, I don't like the way like certain family member, how they try to like this bully mentality toward me and all this certain stuff. And she, she doesn't like it. And and the kids don't like it. You know, even yeah. though we could be joking around or whatever, but sometimes it could be it come as too disrespectful mm-hmm. and everything. And and my wife just couldn't take it. And I and I and, and I really had to look at it like, oh, that is very disrespectful. Yeah. You know how I'm being treated. And so I just like, you know, had to, you know, cut some people off. It's funny. That's funny. It, it, it sounds like your your family sounds very similar to mine. Sometimes like we had a I'll tell you the story. We we uh we had some people from our church over uh, for, uh, I think it was like a Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. And mm-hmm. our, family, our family is the type that like, there's nothing sacred. Like we just make fun of each other. Like we just poke fun <laughs> at each other. It doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter. Like somebody got divorced. We joke about it. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, it's kind right. of one of these things. Somebody has a problem with, you know, Oh yeah. That someone's, you know, someone's a recovering drug addict. We joke about the fact that they were on drugs. Yeah, no filter. No filter. Yeah, no filter. <laughs> so I remember going to a church, like a leadership church thing. And someone was saying, my dad and I were both there. We were going back and forth at each other. And, and the Bishop was like, I bet, I bet dinner Sunday dinner at your house is probably pretty, pretty rough. And the guy who'd been there, he's like, bro, it's beautiful. It's brutal. <laughs> he's like, it's- <laughs> you know, and so right. it just reminds me of that. Someone who's a little more sensitive, like my kids, my kids were a little like when they were younger, were a little more sensitive. And mm-hmm. I had to explain to them, like, you got to understand, like grandpa and uncle Zach are just, you know, yeah the way they show love if they're not making fun of you then there's a problem yeah 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 exactly about that yeah so 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 tell me now more about so so you grew you mentioned it sounds like you grew up in the church Mm -hmm. but you also mentioned that you you struggled with pornography when did that when did that come about was that with like the advent of the internet or even before that i think it was in the sixth grade Oh, okay. So this it is before, this, you're 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 younger than me. So this is before the internet. Like this is back in the like. Oh yeah, this is the, the this video is the store behind alpha the alpha beta. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's one of those things where you had to actively go out and look for it. You know, right? I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. it was alpha beta. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, VHS and and at that time, um, 
There, oh God! It was a, it was a Home Alone movie. Uh, was I played? Was, you know, but you know it was it, it finished. But you know I had to stop it, and then they you know it was a little pornography movie. I'm like, whoa, what is this? What is this? Oh man! <laughs> and uh, and um, I guess they tried to record over it. You know, but it was too late. I I saw it. I got interested, and mm -hmm. then I ended up developing an addiction after that. And that's why I tell people, you know, be careful what you allow in your house. Be careful um, what you allow um, into your your eye gate, into your ear gate, you know, because that can um, become an issue for you. And I struggled with it, man, for a long time, even as I, I started preaching and, you know, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ and um, evangelized, you know, it was a struggle. It was a fight, you know, when and then when I got married, you know, it wasn't, too, thank God, it wasn't really a, a fight or struggle uh, too much because I have a good wife. Thank God, you know, thank God, you know, who married with 16 years. But it's still, sometimes you still would have those, those you know, Instagram could be a big hindrance. Um, Facebook can too. Sometimes you have these people have these little scams like on your story. And they're like, it's like somebody then um, hacked the page and they'll show like a little pot pornographic type pic or whatever. And mm -hmm. that could get, and that, and that could get to you. But, I, um, but, but the thing about it is though, you know, I learned like just people like Pastor Alan Parr, um, he talked about overcoming a pornography. I watched it, watched his, I watched his podcast and I watched, you know, different ones and, and one of the biggest things I just had to had to um, not stop just cold turkey, and just in in um, biblically what we would do we would fast I would fast and pray, mm. and that's what that's what like killed a lot of that, mm. and then not to change the subject I also in 2016 I struggled with depression and anxiety, mm. and and um, doctor had put me on Xanax. I didn't like the way it was, and um, and then I um, I was talking to the Lord. I said, "God, I, I don't want to be like this," and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, literally, he said, "You need to fast and pray." I fasted and prayed. You know, kept you know, kept doing my five o'clock um, um, in the morning. Uh, I would say ritual, but getting up, reading the Word. It, you'll never get enough of, of of the Word of God. Um, and I, I just, I just, I just kept doing that. Next, you know, the voices in my head stopped. Um, now I help people that struggle with depression and anxiety because people have to realize that it's a symptom. If you can recognize that it's a symptom and you read the symptoms of it, is you're more better to overcome it because like when your mind is, is constantly speaking, constantly talking, okay, you're like, okay, that's just a symptom. So you just let it run its course, but you're not, it's like it's there, but you're not really paying attention to it, uh, if you understand what I'm saying. It's there going off. I do understand what you're saying. It sounds like what you're saying is, is that, that, well, it sounds like what you're saying is, is yeah, you, you know, you have situational depression or anxiety where you have something goes on and you're, you're down, but if you keep kind of pushing through it and pray yeah. and rely on God. Yeah, I did. And it left. Yeah. I've, I've had a, a, a anxiety attack since 2016. Wow. So, so tell me now, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the, to the porn th thing, I'm sure, but with the, with regard to the depression and the anxiety, 
Was there an event that caused it, or did it just all yes. come on? Okay. Do you, yes. do you want to talk about what the event was that, that started it? 2016, April 1st, 2016. Well, before that, my cousin-in-law got, um, she, she died. She had died, and she was pregnant. Mm. She was pregnant. And um, it was a lot of guilt on my part. Mm. Um, and I, I don't say I struggle with that still because, um, I even told her mom one time I, you know, and, and her sister, you know, I, I just regret that I didn't reach out when they reached out to me. Mm. I wasn't a pastor at the time, Pastor Floyd, the late, the late Pastor Floyd Gray. Um, he passed away, the, uh, the pastor that's, you know, of the church that um, I pastor right now. Um, they had reached out to me. And um and as she was just doing, just having her, her little struggles and and everything that she was dealing with, and she was pregnant. And then next, you know, one night, one morning, I get a phone call that she had passed away. I'm like, Wait, what? I said, okay. So I was like, so and then um, then I had the funeral. They had her in the casket, and they took the baby Oliver and and dressed the baby up and put her in the arms. Oh wow! That messed me all the way up because I'm like. Now I'm feeling guilt. I'm, I'm feeling the guilt of not trying to reach back out. To, yeah. um, okay, hold on. Let me let me stop yeah. you right there. So, the circumstances of her death. Are we talking about death? You know, uh, death by suicide, or was she? Did she have some sort of illness? No, so it was it, it was an illness. She it was, Um, she was going through. Come to find out, I was talking to her mom. She was going through some um, personal stuff with her baby father, I guess, um, and everything. And some stuff was just going on, traumatic. So I guess she was dealing with pills and stuff. Mm. She was so, dealing with that. So it was an overdose. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it, and so um, the reason I, I the reason I bring it up is because I was like, well, if she just died, like, why why are you feeling bad? And now I get it. You know, yeah. because reaching out to you when she was having, you think you might have been able to do something. I, I, I yeah, I should have been able to do something, but I was just like, you know, like I, you know, I got to work, got you know, I was working at this network at at that time. Um, uh, you know, I had to work, I gotta, you know, you know, take care of this, and you know, I just didn't really have time. And and her and her boyfriend, they both reached out to me, and I live with that guilt, and and I'm just like, dang, now now she's gone, and and it just. And I just had stuff just kept replaying in my head. And I just, it just turned from the depression. Then, you know, when it hit the depression, then it hit anxiety. And it, it was, it was bad. That, I don't wish that on my worstest enemy. Yeah. And now, but I'm grateful I went through it because now I can help other people to either overcome it or either better deal with their, um, Depression and anxiety, and there's plenty of people that I deal with literally right now as we speak um, that I face that and they struggle with that, but they're doing better um, now. You know, you know, one guy um, at this at Tesla, he had a panic attack on um, on the um, on the uh, production line, and only one I was able to talk to him was me. Not bragging, but it, you know, talk to him was me, and I, you know, I was telling him, you know, what to do, what we should try to do, and everything. You know, what worked for me. Now he's got a girlfriend. He, my, no, take that back. He's married now. He's married now, and 
he's, he's functioning a whole lot better. And and um, he said he has he goes through his as moments, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple things about that that is so interesting. I, I was just recently on a I think on a last podcast, or it might be one that I haven't dropped yet. Um, we were talking about this idea that like how interesting it is that you went through that, we'll call it a trial, right? Where you, mm -hmm. you had this experience that caused you some depression and anxiety, but isn't it mm -hmm. interesting that these difficult moments make you a more empathetic person? Oh so yeah. That, so that when the next person comes along, you're there and you can say, Hey, I understand. It's very, it's very Christ-like. Oh, of course. And, and that's what we're, and that's why as believers, that's what we are supposed to. I can't say what we're. Yeah, that's what we to imitate, and that's where we to be like. Um, is like Christ to be close like Christ. You know, if you look at the word disciple, the word disciple uh, means to be a learner, and mm -hmm. so you know, it's really to be a learner of Christ. And so I do my best to learn of Jesus and try to live the best way I can for the Lord. I'm not a. I'm not a. I gotta say. I'm not a. Um, it's not like. I'm, it's not that I don't uh, have any faults, you know, or have any thought. I mean, wrong, yeah. you know, we all have our issues. That's why Jesus died. Thank yeah, God for that. Still, you're still human. Yeah. You're still human. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I like, you know, I, you know, I'm all that. And, you know, you know, I don't sin. No, you know, in, in the, in the Bible, you know, it says, if any man says that they don't have sin, he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> First John. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's something that I find really interesting is that, is that uh, you hear sometimes about, and, and, and you know, uh, we hear this in my church, you know, I'm, I'm Mormon. I'm from the church of Jesus Christ. Oh I'm yeah. Like, oh yeah. And, and we have a lot, you know, we have leaders that are bishops and they're volunteer, you know, they're volunteer, basically pastors, and sometimes you'll, you'll hear somebody say, well, you know, he's this and he does that. He does that. He, I don't like the way he does this. And mm -hmm. I just think you know, if you read the Bible, there are so many pro prophets, apostles, you know, who were doing unspeakable things. It's right. It's, it's it, just because you're a follower, a believer, or even a leader in, in a church doesn't mean that you don't have faults that you exactly. Don't, the exact you have you are taking advantage of the exact same atonement that everybody else is that's right <laughs> yeah you're so so now tell me what what was it that you what do you think that experience with your cousin passing away due to the overdose and then you um going through that depression anxiety and coming out of that what do you think you learned from that what i what i learned from that Man, when people are reaching out, especially in a situation like that, mm -hmm. you know, do your best to help. If you can't do it, help get them some help that they need. Mm -hmm. You know, because, you know, like you said, I'm not Superman. Right. You know, and and so, but because, yeah, you, you, you know, I'm going to say you'd be surprised because I'm pretty sure you might know yourself. How many people have some major struggles and they're just quiet about it. Yeah. And they don't, they don't say nothing they, because they too feel, you know, cause sometimes people look up to you. Mm -hmm. Let me go here. You look up to you and you don't want the, you know, 
show the sign of, uh, you know, I got a weakness. But no, some people need to know you have faults too, just like they do. Yeah. You know, how can we reach more to Christ if we're at like we're so perfect and we're um we're so and that's one thing, man. That's a whole other message, but uh, that's one thing yeah. I'm about when it comes to uh my church. I say just the Baptist faith. I'm not even going going that route because you got everybody is you got people are just different. But my thing is, I've always been the person that just loves people. I'll have mm -hmm. a love for people, and yeah. I, I have a I have compassion. I, I have care I have care for just people of all races. I love every race in the planet, you mm -hmm. know. And of course, a lot of everybody know the famous scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten art. He translated the word begotten, it means only born son. Who said believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the thing about it is though, but if you look at the context, he said the world. Mm -hmm. And so I love everybody, really. Indian, uh, Caucasian. Uh, I, I I get along. I have friends almost every culture, <laughs> yeah. of every yeah, culture. You know, like if you if you say you're in town, you know, can I come by? Like, man, come on, come by the house. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. You wanna watch? You know, you know, you know, so you some chicken, what you want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I, it, it, that's so that's so important. I mean, I, I think that that is the mark, in my opinion, of a true Christian. I, I, I run right. into, I run into this a lot, and you may run into this too with people who are highly religious in your faith, where oh. you know they they only associate with other people who are believers or or mm -hmm. of faith. And I just think, man, like how is it possible? Like our our faith is <clears throat> our faith is very missionary oriented. I love and, it. Yeah. We have a lot of missionaries who go out and serve two years. You know, we have them in every one of our, our, our congregations. And so I remember when I was a missionary and I would go up and I've just always been that way. Like I've always I've always had friends who were mem members of my church, other churches, no church, you know, all sorts of things. And I would go, hey, you know, do you have any friends that maybe want to hear our message? And they'd be like, oh, well, all my friends are just members of the church. And I would be like, well, then you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're supposed to reach out. And I think that's one of the things that I love about, I was just talking to Trip about this uh, when we, we saw mm -hmm. Taco Festival. Something that I really love about wrestling is that it is a conduit for me to run into and become friends with people that I would never yes. in any other way be able to associate with. Right. So I, I love that, like, I went to a taco festival and ran into El Flaco Loco, who is a punk rock music star. That's right. Brain right. survivor, loves horror films, and mm -hmm. is not religious really at all. At and all. And then there's me, who's just this Mormon guy who also happens to like horror music and wrestling. That's right. And, and music or wrestling. And we somehow come together and, and, and become friends. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's just so cool about wrestling. And I wish that there were more people that would be involved in it so they could get kind of that same brother and sisterhood. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. You, you, ever, um, you ever listen to death metal? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you ever heard of a group called Trivium? No, no. Trivium, Trivium is, a, is a major death uh, metal uh, band. Uh -huh. um, they're based out of Florida. Well, 
the drummer of our church, um, uh, who actually taught my my daughter, and um, before he moved, left out of here, but I met him through this network and working on his house. It was it was all it was all God. It was literally all God because I couldn't leave that house worth nothing. Um, his name is Alex Bent. Hmm. Alex Bent is one of the number one. He's one of the best drummers in the world. Wow. Him, uh, a guy does a you ever heard of suicidal tendencies? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you ever heard the drummer Eric Moore Junior? Uh huh. I know his whole family. Oh wow. Yeah, they're in Stockton. I know the whole family. Wow, that's yeah. Awesome. I knew his dad as he was living. I, I bought my rose from his dad. I've been his dad's house, and I know his sister. Oh, like like. I mean, oh God, I know his, I know his whole family. I know Eric Moore Jr. I know, I know. If you see, if I ran to him, I was up, what's up, Eric? How you doing, brother Eric? You know, he, yeah. hey, what's up, King? <laughs> nice. Know each other, so yeah, but yeah, he's, so I'm, I listen to that too. I mean, I, I don't discriminate. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, and that's, and that's what's so cool about you know. I think that's what makes a good minister, right? Is yeah. Somebody who can who can relate to all people. Now, we go. I want to go back because I talked to you earlier. I wanted you to tell me how you got into. You you mentioned off air. You said that in about in the early two thousands, you really kind of felt like you got the call to be a minister. So so maybe you can kind of tell me how that came about. Okay, this is gonna okay. This is what happened. This is what happened. What I decided. I said okay. I try to get too emotional with this, but yeah. my other uncle Celadis Kiwa had passed away. It's is this day I went home to be with the Lord. Um, um, Reverend Doctor Ernest Bass, my uncle, who I oh I love and miss. I love I miss him so much. Um, he told me in the barber shop. In the barber shop, he was mm-hmm. cutting my hair. He said, "Man, you should start." He said, "Brother King, you should start reading the Bible." I'm like, I'm not reading no Bible, you know? right? About that, I'm just going to church every day. You know, I was traditionally going to church. That's what I was, I was just doing. You know, I knew I knew the itinerary. I knew how they do stuff. I was just going, but I really didn't have that personal relationship. Uh, so you were, kind of just, you were kind of just going through the motions of the tradition. I, you knew. I was going through the motion of the tradition, right? Traditionalism, uh, legalism mm-hmm. <laughs> of things. Because I kill. We, we kind of now we don't have. A lot of that traditionalism, legalism stuff, we killed all that at our church. Yeah. But anyways, besides all that, and he told me to do that. And and then one day I just, later on, I just felt desire. I said, I want to learn more about God. And so I went back, got my hair cut. I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, you know, start off reading um, one chapter a day. Um, read the book of Proverbs. It's one month of reading because 31 chapters in the book of proverbs that's okay so i read re, you know I, you know start doing that you know you know it's praying and all that stuff he told me what to pray for um when i do this and i still do it to this day ask guys for wisdom knowledge and understanding of his word that's why i pray every time i um before i, I read his read the bible and um i got it addi- i started getting addicted so what i read next he said read psalms it teaches you how to pray and teaches you this that blah blah blah, blah. the psalms of david so I, I began to read Psalms and everything, and next you know I started getting. I got addicted. I got this, the zeal was just there. The zeal was just. Uh, it was just. It was just. I was just on fire for it. Then I met a, a group of guys at Stockton Honda. I worked at Stockton Honda for five years and eight months, and um, and they were um, 
did the upholstery on the cars that would come and uh, put the plastic down and do all this other stuff. So when you come see a used car, you see that plastic that's on the floor? Mm -hmm. the car. Yeah, they did all that. And so they mm -hmm. did a detail inside the car and stuff. And so, keep a long story short, uh, I got with them and they, um, they're they the International Churches of Christ. So I was with them for about a, um, a good six to seven months. That was my boot camp training. I was, that was, they were literally boot camp i mean you had to get up five in the morning and meet up at um one brother rick acevedo man that's my dude i ain't seen him a long time though brother rick and we would go have go to starbucks or whatever or meet up at his, his house uh have breakfast or whatever and we'd be reading the bible and just taking notes and know what we reading and and stuff and so after that some things fell through because i i felt i want to go out and witness, you know how like the Mormons, the Jehovah, you yeah. know, different ones. We do it too. We go out there in our own communities and mm -hmm. we um we feed, we clothe September 23rd is the day. Another day we're gonna be giving free haircuts. We have some barbers coming in, gonna get free haircuts. We wanna um give out free clothes, free food, we're gonna have a, another barbecue, and we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have all type of stuff going on that day. And um and so keep a long story short, um got to um after I left them, um, I went, came to the church I'm at, pastor now, Queen Baptist Church, under the leadership of the late pastor Floyd Gray. Um, and I started sitting up under him, you know, because I was like, you know, I wanted to go out and witness, be a witness for Jesus Christ. Sure. I want to bring more souls to Jesus. But they were telling me, no, you can't go out and do that until, you see, this is how they twisted it, until you tell all the sins that you've done all your life. Mm. <laughs> you had to tell you had to tell the pastor all the like things you've done. Thing? Like a confession thing? Like a confession. Which <laughs> they twisted James 5 um and 16 where it says confess your faults one to another and pray for another that you may be healed. The effectual for every prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But they're basically saying they're using that to say that you have to tell all your sins, all you know, confess all, everything that you've done, then you then we baptize you, then you can go out. But something, and I was like, something was wrong with that. I'm going to tell you what happened. That's what happened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bishop J.D. Foreman, the late Bishop J.D. Foreman, my, I, my, he was one of my best friends. He died at 89 years old. That was my oldest close friend. He was 89 mm -hmm. years old. Wow. And, but but he, 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 um, he, had, he had spoke to me and said, he said, he said, Princeton, there's some guys that you're around. That's trying to stop you from doing the work of Jesus Christ. You need to leave him alone. He didn't even know me. Mm. <laughs> he didn't know me. And he told me that. As I up, time to go. And so yeah. I, um, I end up, um, I went home. It's, I'm going to try to make it short. I went home one night and I went to, went to sleep. And I, I, um, and I went to a deep sleep. It was, it was a different type of sleep. So I was like, I was like, I know I didn't die yet. I hope not, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no matter. And so, and so, and so, I'm not scared of that. That does not fear. I'm not afraid of that. But um, I had uh, went to went to uh, went to sleep and and I uh, in the vision, the dream, I heard some said, "Preach, preach my gospel." I, that's all I heard. Hmm. Preach my gospel, and I know this is gonna sound like you know what? what? No, yeah, that's what I heard. And and when I woke up, it was a different uh, feeling. It was a different, and I'm like. What just happened? <laughs> like, Real quick, let me stop you right there. What did it feel like? 
it felt like you know like you were like coming back to your body it's like almost like an out of body experience it was just like and when i woke up i had goosebumps over my whole body i'm like what just happened here Mm. I'm like, is this a medical thing? I, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not. Yeah. Mad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? There's got to be an explanation of it, and I'm, I'm just like trying to find out. I couldn't find nothing, um, and everything. Don't do the book studies because internet was out, but you couldn't really find a whole lot of stuff on the internet <laughs> back in 2001, back right. then. And so, keep it on story short. Um, I start going. I start. Um, I was like, nah, I'm not gonna do no, be no preaching and everything. And then, so I, but I said, I'll, I'll be a usher at the church, and mm -hmm. um, I would get to the pulpit area where the pastor and, and the ministers were, and I just felt too comfortable right there. I was like, I, I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm like, nah. Then I, um, and then, um, Pat, my dad, got rested. So uh, the late Dan King told Pastor Gray, he said, my son uh, feels that he's been called to, to be a, a, a gospel preacher. And everything, man. He called me. I had to meet him at um, the hospital with his wife, <laughs> the late Brenda Gray. And uh, I talked to him. He said, "Man, don't run from God when God is calling you to do something." He said, "I, I believe that God has called you to do." I said, "Nah, I ain't, I ain't doing all that. I ain't doing all that preaching and everything." Went to San Francisco at a funeral for uh, Mother uh, Willie Witherspoon in uh, at the AME Church in San Francisco, huge church out there, beautiful facility. Um, went there for a funeral. I was walking up the, the stairs with my mom and my grandfather, the late Jim Alexander. Um, walked up the stairs with them, and um, and the guy rushed out. Hey, sir, you're not supposed to be on that side. I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't be on this side. I'm not, a, you know, preaching or nothing like that. He said, You supposed to be over here with the uh, the uh, preachers and pastors. I said, No, I'm not. I'm not a preacher or pastor. No, not, no, no. He said, You sure about that? I said, Yeah. I said, Yeah. Man, I just feel, man, that 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 you got that call on your life to preach. And my mom and them start laughing at me. I said, "No, nah, man, no." Nah. I said, "No, nah, that ain't me. That ain't me. That ain't me." Because I'm not. I'm, I've never been the type of person to be like, you know, superstitious or. <laughs> right, right. You know, let, let things be what it is, and man, and and kept signs and signs and signs kept coming and coming, and I'm like. And then the last straw, y'all can believe this or not, but I, I don't want to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and just be here just to exaggerate or you know, that. I don't want to waste nobody's time. Mm -hmm. I went to my friend's funeral. He got killed in Delhi City on a freeway. Mm -hmm. uh, Raymond Gardner went to his funeral. Walked up to the casket because in, uh, in the Baptist faith and everything, when they have funerals, they had, you know, they had the final viewing. Mm -hmm. and everything and before they close the casket in and that's the last time you see the person and so went to the final viewing and everything when i looked in the casket i didn't see him i saw myself mm -hmm. <laughs> I was wow. like, and, and that freaked me out that messed me all the way up i'm driving back to stockton tore up man i'm like and i couldn't sleep i couldn't sleep in um, i was crying and one day i walked into church you know I was, and of course i was reading the bible and everything Walked into church, man, and um, and I just broke down. Excuse me. I broke down crying, man. I'll never forget that day. Excuse me. I told you I tried to get emotional, man. Okay. And and I just couldn't run from God no more, man. I, I couldn't. I, I tried to run and I couldn't run. 
I was like, Jonah, Jonah, I'm trying to go to Tarshish. <laughs> and I don't want to go to Nineveh. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so I was, I, I ran, man, and, and Pastor Greg, um, they, they heard I was crying, man. Pastor Greg called me, and I was like, Brother King, get in my office. Get in here. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? I, like, I got in there. He grabbed me and started praying for me. He said, boy, I done told you. He said, just like he said. He said, boy, I done told you. Stop running from God. You got to do what God calls you to do. And I said, I can't keep running. Because he keeps, the, the call on my life is just evident. You know, I'm out here witnessing the people and story, you know, talking to people. And, you know, and I just end up just speaking the gospel of Jesus to people. Just, I don't know, you know, just doing it. And, man. I ended up announcing, you know, that been called to preach, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and and then after all that, every pressure that I had went away. Mm. Every pressure that I had went away, and um, preached my first sermon December seventh, two thousand and three, and ended up becoming the pastor of the church because Pastor Great, Pastor Great, uh, he ended up leaving um, the church that I'm pastoring. End up, so I end up preaching my first sermon. My term, first sermon was called "God Can Give It to You," but what you gonna do with it? <laughs> so, with, with the seminary, I, I have associates in biblical studies. Biblical studies. I have a bachelor's in theology. Um, then in the pastoring, the church I'm at now. Uh, it, I, I started 2016. Uh, September 2016. I. They just asked me to come preach one sermon because they didn't have a pastor at the time, the church I pastor. And they just, they just asked, can you, come, can you come preach this sermon this Sunday because the guy who was supposed to get it, um, I was going for it, the church, you know, you know, he had to go out of town, so they asked me to preach. Man, that Sunday, I, came, I just came to preach one sermon. I talked about start over. Man, that Sunday, sir, I preached that sermon, and then at the finish, we had about this. It was about thirteen people uh, gave their lives to Jesus Christ, and when it became. I'm sorry, my, my uh, charger came out my phone. Um, gave their lives to Jesus Christ that day, and they were like, "Okay, you know, can you come back and we want you? To, you know, we'll have to teach them, and you know, we we'll, you know, baptize them, and and so kind of the Mormon faith. You guys had the baptism. You guys had the baptism of the dead too. You guys had a couple things. I I know about, a lot about the the uh, the Mormon. Um, uh, I want to say religion, the Lord, the the, uh, the Mormon um, church rituals are what you guys do. I, I love you guys. I, I love the Mormon church. So, um, so the thing about it is, though, uh, I, 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 I came back and then ended up baptizing them. And then they said, uh, Pastor King, can you come and uh, run the service all the way to the end of the year? I'm like, really? I said, look, I just can't <laughs> preach one time. You know, and I said, all right. As I, I said, I'm a, I'm, I'll preach all the way to, to the end of December 17th and everything. Man, they, you know, they said, um, we, our church, the, the church has voted you in to be the pastor of the Corinthian Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the church I started preaching at is the same church I'm pastoring. Yeah, wow. It's amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that. Now, tell me, and I want to kind of get your, I guess, your testimony here. And you mentioned earlier, you said, as soon as I started preaching, and I assume part of that is, is 
this this concept that you stopped running from God and did what he wanted you to do. You said mm-hmm. that all of your 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 struggle not your struggles but kind of your your stresses went away. Yeah. Tell tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Sure. Oh man, it was just the pressure of you know God calling me to do this, but I'm running. I'm like I don't want to do this. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to preach. I, that's not what I want to do. I just want to go to church and go usher and go do do what we do. Care about I don't be because let me be honest with you. I didn't even like preachers. I didn't. I didn't like preachers or pastors. I didn't like none. I was like. I was like, man, I'll just you know, go to church and, you know, I'll be nice to them and, you know, you know, say hi to them and everything, but I didn't want to be bothered. I was just the type of person that just didn't want to be bothered. But it was just like so much pressure from that. It was then, then, once again, with the death of my friend Raymond, there was a lot of pressure from that. It was just like, is God going to kill me for not doing what he told me to do? But that's how I took it at the time, you know, but I started, I'm like, and then watch this. That same year, two thousand three, because I announced my, I, I end up announcing the calling to preach November um, of two thousand three, and I preached my first sermon December seventh, two thousand three. But I went to thirteen funerals, people that I knew all around me. Thirteen funerals in one year. Wow. In 2013, from San Francisco to Stockton, the folks that I was connected with. I mean, they were dying all over the place. And I was telling you, you know, I was at the stairs and going up with my grandfather and my mom and everything. And, you know, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one wow. of the funerals. And yeah. I, I grew up with the late, you know, the late been on me since I was a baby. You know, just different folks. They're just, just leaving here left and right. I'm like, man, okay. And Man, it was just so much. I'm like, damn, all these funerals, got all this other stuff, got this going on, you know, working. And and then I'm up here trying to run from God, <laughs> do what he called me to do. Because I kept getting sign after sign after sign after sign mm. after sign after sign. Oh, that's going to tell you that after I kept getting signs <laughs> to do <laughs> what he called me to do. And, yeah. man, when I, when I stopped, it was like something in me just like left. It's like it was like a release like a balloon that popped um in my life. And um uh, my godmom, Mother Gail Lofton, um, she was the first one to get up and hug me when I announced the calling at the church and then all these people start coming up hugging me and and everything holding me, hugging me and stuff, man. You know, they said we 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 know it, we know it, we know what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen. You're gonna be a preacher one day. We knew what's gonna happen. I was like, I was like, I was like, well, you knew, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, so now you've been. I mean, if you started your preaching, your ministering in 2003, you're coming up on your 20th year. Yes, I am. Can you, yes, I can am. You give me a, a, you know, I'm sure it's hit every aspect of your life, but can you kind of give me a sense of what the blessings you've seen from being able. Oh. You preach the word, man. Oh, this journey. I try to go back, man. I'm um, White Rose Church of God in Christ, Stockton. I preached a sermon called uh, Drop It Like It's Hot. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and the pastor got nervous. Then the, uh, the pastor's son, uh, Michael Peterson, got nervous. Like, well, wait a minute, leave me the key. But I was talking about Jonah. Um, mm. Do Jonah off? Jonah off the uh, off the boat due to you know he was the problem. Mm -hmm. But it problems out there on the sea. And so I talked about dropping like it's hot. Now it was, you know, I was kind of like, what's the word? I was still learning, you know, about the, the, the pulpit preaching and stuff. So I was very, I would say immature, but I, was, I had some immature ways um, of doing things and stuff. And so, you know, with the titles and everything. So I preached that. But that day at that church, uh, about, 20-something young people came to the altar um, asking for prayer <laughs> after the message was over. It was amazing. Made a moment oh, with that. Um, because in like in our, in our faith, Baptist Church of Christ, we have altar calls. After, you know, mm -hmm. people need prayer, come up and we'll pray for you. Um, I'm more, uh, even though I pastor at Baptist Church, my pastor, home church pastor, was Pentecostal, so I kind of mm -hmm. came out like that. Mm -hmm. But I still... Embrace the Baptist faith because the church was still Baptist and everything. But I, 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 I love all. It doesn't matter where you are. I, I, I love Jesus and I, and I, and I love people. Right. Can I ask you a question? In your church, how does the, how do is there uh, speaking in tongues in your church? Um, some people do. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. Not everybody because we believe that it's not everybody's gift. Yeah. According to scripture. So tell me how that in your church, how that works. Cause I got to tell you, like I've been to a bunch of different churches as part of my mission in Indiana. I did uh -huh. especially in the summer. There were lots of tent revivals out there. Food was amazing, but, oh yeah, anyway, but uh, a lot of soul food out there. And it oh, so good. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, but, but I had seen some that seemed, you know, there's, there's not. We believe in the Mormon faith that the speaking of tongues is, is like missionaries will go to a different country and will learn the language, like language. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So in some faiths, it's like a, a language that's not really something, uh, something distinguishable, like a language from Earth necessarily. But there's usually someone there to kind of interpret, right? Interpret. Mm -hmm. Then there's some that I went to where it was like. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you know, you playing, like people getting up and dancing. And then I remember one time yeah. I was getting pushed around like she was in a pinball machine. And I was like, <laughs> so tell me in your, in your church and in your tradition, how does the, how does this, the tongues work? Okay. It's a gift. We believe it's a gift. And I've seen it. I've seen uh, you got some people. Let's be honest. Come on, let's be let's be brutally honest. Some people just put they act like they're doing it, but they're really not. Just to make themselves sound like they're so super holy. Right. That's, that was the impression. That was the impression I got a few times where I was like, "This can't." Like I was looking at it and I go, "I feel like I have an open mind," but like at the time, and I was a young guy, you know, I was twenty, but I was like, "I don't feel like that's real." You know what I mean? Like like yeah. a couple times you're sitting there and they're like dancing around and jumping around and acting. Kind of, and I was just like, you know, I don't want to say that they're not feeling the spirit, but I just don't think that's legit. <laughs> you know, You're right? See, and that's the and that's the thing. I'm so real with, when it comes to this because I've seen the real now. I've seen the real one. Uh, the real clouds come into place, um, and that's what that was the start of me wanting to get close to Christ. I've seen the real one because it was in, like you said, in languages. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because my, um, I'll, I'll go there. I'll, I'll t- I, let's go there now. My cousin, uh, Darlene Bryant, we had a service one day in San Francisco, a, a service one night, and we started at 3 o'clock, and the Spirit of the Lord just, it just, it was just it, the service just fire, and my cousin, she started speaking in tongues, but the tongues was, she started speaking in languages, speaking French, she was speaking all this. She never took no classes, well, high school, she took Spanish, but she knows, she can speak Spanish, you know, fluently, because she did that, but French language, she never learned certain other languages. And my I think oh, another one. I see Veronica Alexander, she passed away too in 2000. Um, she interpreted every, from different races, from different languages of uh, what she was saying. Man, my mom, she had water in her knee. Man, I'll never forget it messed me up. Had water in her knee. She was going to the doctor the next day. Get the water drained out of her knee. My mom would tell you herself. I'll never forget this. My cousin, the one that was speaking a different languages, she couldn't stop. She was trying to talk English. <laughs> she couldn't stop. Walked over to my mom. She didn't even know my mom had had water knee. Touched her knee and the water was gone, man. Wow. This I, and I and I I'm not want to see her just be talking like you know something like. Oh, they just the, the supernatural. I mean, look, I, I, I'm I'm a realist. I keep it real. I don't like I don't like fakeness. I I don't do a lot of fakeness. I'm even in our church. We keep it 100 percent real. You know. Yeah. Let me stop you and just say something real quick right there. Sure. Because I because I do have a large Mormon, uh, not a large, but I, I think I have a pretty decent sized Mormon audience. And, oh, okay. some those, and some of those people would listen to this and they would say, because that's that the, the Mormon tradition has a very, how would I say, very formal, very formal. Yes, they are idea of healing. Right. Good power. But and so I, I'm, I'm wondering if there might be somebody listening who hears that story and goes, well, oh, that couldn't have been real because it wasn't by this or that. And it didn't mm-hmm. say these words but what i would just remind people is this is if you're a true christian mm-hmm. as jesus said if you had the faith of a mustard seed you could come move. on man so so i i just say that because and there's been many times where someone just i mean we heard it we heard a story there's just one of my favorite stories in the in the bible is when jesus is walking and there's the woman i can't remember what her ailment was but she 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 kept yelling to Jesus and he, he he didn't hear her. And she just thought, well, if I could just touch his. If the I could, garment. The moment with the issue of blood. Yes, sir. Yeah. And she, she touched it and he felt it. Mm-hmm. And he said, thy faith has made thee whole. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we do understand that you don't have to necessarily have a specific word or a specific priesthood or a specific anything mm-hmm. for, for miracles to happen. And so. Right. I have no doubt that if you're telling me that that happened, that that could have very well happened as long as everybody had faith that it, it could. Right, right. And and you, if you come to next time, you come to a next level show. My mom comes all the time now. My mom, and yeah. my uncle, and yeah. them. I watch this. I'm gonna let. I'm. I'm not even gonna tell her about this. She probably ain't gonna. I'm not even gonna tell her about the podcast. I can tell her about the podcast, whatever. But I tell her about the podcast. I want people to hear it. Yeah, yeah. That's not the stuff. I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> I mean by that because I want to see, show you that my, my sincerity. I'm yeah. with this. I'm very sincere about this. Well, I, I believe it. I can yeah. tell. Listen, Princeton, here's the thing. I can tell 
that you believe. Oh, yeah. You know, there are some people out there, like you said, that were like you, and I see them. That I can I can tell who they are. Some of them even admit they're that person. You you said because I was that way when I was a teenager. I was the guy who was just I had I had a social conversion because all my friends were Mormon and mm-hmm. and you know it was a tradition. So I went to church, but I didn't like you said the personal relationship wasn't there. There's a lot of people who are just going through the motions. I can tell. Oh, that, yeah. I can tell that's not you. Oh, you that's know? not me. That's yeah. not me. Because like back to the tongues, you know, you know. What gets me is this, and I told my church, I said, how can you speak in tongues and not speak to your own brother and sister that you see every day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hypocritical. Yeah. You know, because that's a lot of stuff that I've seen, you know, within certain denominations that, you know, you know, as, you know I'm just, like I said, I love a lot of people. And, and it's just a habit, you know, from how I grew up. I, I speak to people, you know, if I'm in the store, I want to pass away, hey, how you doing? You know, if they look at me, hey, how you doing? Like some people speak, some people don't, whatever. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. But some people, they have the, you know, in the Christian faith, you know, Pentecostal church, excuse me, <clears throat> did I say that? Um, so they, <laughs> they, will, they will have their hair up, the dress, that they, you know, the, uh, the, the dress and the whole attire and everything. But it happens all the time to where, if I see them, you know, hey, how you doing? How you doing? They'll look at me like, who are you? And just, and just keep walking. Mm. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I'm like, where's Jesus in this? Yeah, right. You yeah. know, Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. You right. know, Jesus made himself available to everybody. Well, and it's funny, you, you talk about the stories. The parable he gave was the Good Samaritan. The Samaritans, yeah. the Samaritans yeah. hated. I mean, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. No, and his no. and his whole point was, you know, who was the neighbor in this situation? Exactly. exactly. You know? And uh, a priest and a Levite walked by and did nothing. Walked but by. did it. And he so about helping, but he's like, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So so let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a sure. little bit more about wrestling. So you you mentioned Matt Freeman and you yeah. mentioned you mentioned uh, some of these guys who are really integral in getting you involved. How did that all come about? Man, this is what ah oh, it's it's amazing. It's so amazing how it happened. Um, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I'm giving the years, the dates, the times. Twenty twenty. I had been looking, I had I had no idea because I'm from San Francisco. I had no idea that they had local indie wrestling mm-hmm. in the Stockton area. And I was like, man, and then I was like, you know, going on the internet trying to find out and they got wrestling. And I saw something that says TWF. Oh yeah. It was TWF. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like okay, um, I said yeah, TWF. So I'm like trying to find out shows, but you know, the website or whatever they had, it was just it wasn't good. It was too good. So I sent an e- I sent an um, email or something like that. Said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to know when you guys are gonna have a shows. I want to support indie wrestling and everything and stuff." And I'm like, "I'm like, okay, that's that's the um, I'm like, I'm like, and no, nobody got back to me." And it was on the, somebody's page. I think it was Marcus Mack, um, mm. and uh, uh, APWW City. Yeah, and everything. APW. See what? Let me. Okay, I'm gonna go back into rest that to that. There was two major fans in Daly City. There were big fans of wrestling. Two major fans. 
-hmm. It was Marcus Mack and me. Crazy part is, I knew I knew of Marcus Mack. I heard of him, but I had never met him. I didn't mm -hmm. meet Marcus um, until Facebook. <laughs> yeah, man, Marcus, I gotta say, I, I've known Marcus a long time. Yes, sir. And, and that guy. Say what you want about him. I know that some people he's he's rubbed some people the wrong way, and I know that there's. Oh, some really? Oh, yeah. They, there's is. Uh, we're talking about twenty years, twenty five years of okay. wrestling. There, there have been ups and downs, and Marcus. Has, oh, yeah. Marcus has had. You know, if you you can't promote wrestling in in at all without rubbing a few people the wrong way. But oh yeah, I learned. Say what you want to say about Marcus Mack. Um, that guy loves this wrestling business. Yes, he does. And yes, he, he does. He put his entire heart and soul into APW when rolling out yeah. his passed away. And yeah. I give him all the props in the world for putting on some really, really good shows. I mean, really good. Yeah. And, uh, and, and helping a lot of guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, Hey, I don't know if you know this. You you may know this, but Marcus Mack ran the Call Palace. I mean, he, yeah, I heard. He, about, yeah, he did. He really did. Yeah. yeah, he he had Cody Rhodes versus Joey Ryan in a cage. He in a cage Cal match, and and you know, and brought in um uh what's his name um uh uh the first Intercontinental Champion, Pat Patterson. Brought in Pat, Pat Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, he sure did. Cal I mean, Palace. Yeah, to the cow pal. So, I mean, that guy has done a ton, you know. And when you see guys like Will Hobbs and Jeff Cobb and JR oh. and, and and uh Jungle Boy Jack Perry, yep, all of those guys, they go back to guys go back, to <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and all of other NorCal too. We all we all share a piece of those guys' success, you know yes, dude. Yeah. We were all a part of it, and so yeah. He's a great one. But anyway, that's a little aside. So back to you. So so you you find out about T. Oh, and that's another thing. I'm going to go on another tangent here because mm -hmm. I don't know. You're, you're kind of you're newer to the scene than I am. But TWF. So when I I was running a backyard fed in 98, mm -hmm. TWF was another backyard fed. We were, okay. we were they were in Tracy. We were in Sacramento. Oh, and, and uh, and then they moved up here. I don't know if Jake moved up here or how that happened, but he ended up here in Sacramento. And that guy, I got to give him I, I, there is. I don't know him very well. I've only talked to him maybe a handful of times in my life. But as somebody who's been around and watched as a conscientious observer, there is nobody. I don't think there's anybody in NorCal right now who has taken more crap than Jake for TWF because they were about and everyone called him that when they started running the colonial, everyone had a problem with it. And that guy has stuck with it. He has the, he is the guy who has, he is the heart and soul of TWF and phenomenal guy. And now guys who were talking trash about TWF are now yeah. running, are working TWF. Working with it. Yeah. And, and that guy and and they are like a major part now of the pro NorCal scene. Yeah. So you got to I mean that is a guy who there is nobody who is like he is like the Miz of of NorCal where he just took yeah. crap took crap into crap and now is widely respected. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to watch. Man, Jake is, man. I thank God for Jake, man. I really do.
because when uh we didn't get to do it but i told him i said we're trying to do like a um um a, a, a charity show for you know for our church but we want to you know reach out to like the homeless and and get Romans over there to watch wrestling and you know our church, you know, in the parking lot and everything and stuff. And it was just like a free show, you know, we wanted to you know pay whatever we got paid, you know, to help out, you know, with the show and everything. And and I was gonna work with Jake, but I never got a chance to. But mm. Jake is a great guy. Jake Sherman is a great, great, great guy. You know, yeah. we both 49er fans. <laughs> yeah. He's a good dude, and he, you know, the other thing that I respect about him was that. He was never to me like you, you've heard the term Mark. You know, he was yeah. never a Mark. He had no problem saying no to people. He had right. no problem saying no. This is, and he held on to what his vision was of TWF. And that's I, right. I, I like I like I said I I have all the respect in the world for him for sticking with it because I I heard some of the things that he had to had to go through and it was it was not pretty and he's and he's stuck with it and he's been true to TWF. Mm -hmm. He's yes, still he TWF originals who were given so much crap. And now people are like, you know, legit world renowned wrestlers are holding, you know, arm in arm with these guys who are TWF. Originals. Yeah. So yeah. Impressive to see that now. You know? Yeah. It's wonderful. So, so now you, you, uh, so how did you, did you end up, did you have to do any training as an announcer or is it just because your ministry, you just knew it? No, what no, what happened was I'm gonna tell you this is amazing. So so I go so um Matt so Matt Freeman comments on a post and I'm and that's I get to that part right there. Mm -hmm. Matt Freeman comment on a post and he said he, he was talking about um wrestling in uh you know in Stott in in Stockton Lodi area and I'm like and I and I said hey man I wanna be the, I wanna be a part of this I'm you know I wanna be I, I'm a fan I'm a big fan and 2020, you know, the pandemic, there's no wrestling going on and everything. I said, I would love to go to a wrestling event. So he said, he said, come to this address, his backyard, <laughs> and go to this address, and we're gonna have we're gonna have wrestling. That was October 2020. And uh and I go and and, and stuff. They had the smoke machine, they had everything and and stuff. Um, uh, you know, I took pictures with uh Josh Caton, Justin Caton, um, my daughter. Um, Andrew Arch, Michael Sean, uh, different ones. Uh, Jason Hastings. Uh, oh, I love Jason. That's my, I, when I say that's my brother, brother, that's my brother, brother. Anyways, yeah. keep a long story short. Um, they had, they had their matches and everything and, and stuff. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed it and everything, you know, there, there was a lot of cussing and stuff <laughs> at this time. And, and yeah. it was, and I thought it was TWF and they said, and then, um, I said, you know, I put on Facebook. I said, I enjoy myself at TWF wrestling, you know, all this other stuff. And he said, that's not TWF. That's next level pro wrestling. I said, okay. My bad. So next level pro wrestling. So the next month, that was November, they said, you know, Matt Freeman gets the mic. He said, we need uh, re-announcers. We need, uh, no, forgive me, Johnny George. Johnny George was the ring announcer. They said, they said uh, we need we need a ring announcers, we need interviewers, we need wrestlers. If you want to you come here, you know, to the barn right here, Matt Freeman's barn, you know, you can learn how to be a pro wrestler and all this other stuff and you learn how to do what, you know, be a part of this business. And and something just hit me, boom, go for it. It's your, it's your dream. I was like, 
was like, hey, I, you know, Matt, so Matt Friedman, you know, he was the only one I knew, you know, talk with him. I said, hey, man, what do you guys need in the business? I, that's all I asked. What do I need? What do you guys need? He said, well, we need an interviewer. So he, so um, I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, I got suits galore in my closet. You know, and I was just a pastor, so I got suits galore in a, in a closet. And so I went over there. Uh, he brought me over to Justin. Oh, God, I'm not going to get emotional with this part because I get emotional every time I think about it. I go to Justin. We bring me on to Justin. Justin, he, uh, he looks at me, and he just stares at me for a minute. He looks back down, and then uh, he said, can you come out here on Tuesday? I said, yes, sir. I said, I'll be here Tuesday. And, uh, and he just froze again, just looked at me like, okay, see you Tuesday. He wanted to make sure I was going to show up. I showed up. Hmm. I showed up. When I get in there, I, uh, I get in the ring. My son trying to get me to do a front row. I said, hey, man, I, I didn't go to practice. I'm not a, I can't do a front row yet. <laughs> I'm a little bit too big right now. I can't do a front row. So I, I get there so um, and everything, uh, I come out there. And then, um, and then I'll, I'll tell you about that too. So I said, I said, so you guys need an interviewer? So, you know, what do you want me to do? I said, I, I watched a lot of Mean Gene Oakland, you know, and all this other stuff, but, you know, from growing up as a child, you know, watching Mean Gene and stuff. I said, I'm not going to be an uh, uh, interviewer and everything. They said, you know what? We changed our mind. We need a ring announcer. Nice. Said, okay. I said, they said, can you be a ring announcer? I said, yeah. Do you have any uh, suits or anything? I said, I got plenty of suits. I got black suits, gray suits. What color suit you want? <laughs> yeah, and, nice. and stuff. So they said, well, let's let's try let's try let's try try you out. You know, without a microphone, I want you to introduce uh, Michael Shine. Oh, mm -hmm. that's I love Mike. I love Mike to death still to this day. Um, Mike. Uh, so he, um, so I asked somebody saying, you know, where's where's he built from? It was easy. From Reno, Nevada, weighing in at 210 pounds, the main event, Michael Shine. So, so what I did, I did it in my ring announcer voice. When I did it, the first time, they froze. Hmm. And they were like, oh, my God. They're like, they're like oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, here, let's do another one. <laughs> so, we did, so I did, did Justin. But I did Justin's na name and everything. They said, okay, you start, you say you start um on the on December, this this day in December, you know, we're gonna have the um we're gonna have the event here in the backyard and you're gonna rig it out. So I rig it out. My first day was Christmas class Roy Rumble, the nice. rumble that day. And uh my first match that um I ring announced was the Chalango Kid versus Johnny Inc. Oh, oh Johnny. I, I love I love uh, uh, Michael you know it's Michael Smith but you know Johnny Inc. Uh, he, I was like man you know you know big guy and you know you know and stuff and good great guy so I introduced that match and then they said no I did I did the whole thing and they just kind of threw me out there with no experience they just threw me out there to to ring and I was, and, and I did it you know I had my ups and downs I still have my ups and downs and stuff you know I had to talk with people like um, Doc Atrocity sat talking me. Uh, God, I'm um, trying to get. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He's a. He's such a great. He's so good. Uh, oh man, I, I man, I was I was just sitting because I messed up one night a couple times and, and I was just down myself. And Doc Atrocity, he he sat and talked with me and changed my whole way of thinking uh, in the wrestling business. And and him, Boyce LeGrand, yeah, um, him, they, they both got to me. Tony Vargas, of course. 
Yeah. That's number one. Tony Vargas talked with him and they're saying, Jason, you know, we call, you know, we call him Sin in the rest of the business, talk sure. with him. And, you know, they, they encouraged me and they helped me to be, these guys helped me to be better. Justin Caden, of course, they, they all just helped me to get better at what I do as a ring announcer and in the wrestling business. Even, um, I, I, I feel like a lot of times I owe my life to uh, Tony Vargas mm-hmm. due to reasons, you know, he allowed and Jason Hastings because they allow a lot of my dreams to come true from um I got beat up on my birthday <laughs> on my birthday from Tony Vargas in the ring. He he uh, he had beat me up, man, and, and stuff. Uh, I wanted man and you know he stopped me, grabbed me, you know, made, you know, made me smile in front of my, my son and everything and stuff. It was weird because my son likes Tony. <laughs> 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 and he got, and Tony gets my son's face. So you're like, I did, did it to your dad. Now go get your dad. He's like, what the heck just happened? I like that guy, though. You know, so, yeah. uh, so you know, so did that. Then next two months later, I got to hit. Uh, it was Tony Vargas versus the late Stephen Bonner, and I got mm-hmm. to, and uh, Tony taught me how to do a chair shot to the back. Mm-hmm. He taught me that, and he he, he let me uh, hit him in the back, hit him in the back, uh, him on his back with a chair, man. And I, oh man, and. And and Tony has always been patient with me. I mean, I'll tell you somebody that is patient with wrestlers and let you take your time. Big ugly JD Bishop too. Oh him. yeah. Let's just throw him in there. Forgive me, um JD JD um Gabe Gabe Jimenez. Forgive me for not bringing you up because he's another major part of my um I mean the in wrestling business. Because he has so much wisdom, so much wisdom. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah, and so um got to do that and then Jason Hastings, he, he said, uh, hey, I want you to, uh, he said, I want to give you a chance to be, uh, it's called a spiritual advisor for the BLE and, and, uh, up in CWA. I was like, okay. And so it's like, you know, it's not a manager because, you know, Boss Blackman is the manager, but I'm just a spiritual advisor. So I'm playing a, a heel pastor. All right. <laughs> nice. And, oh, I, oh, it's so much. But it's fun talking crazy to the kids and, and all they bored me and all this I'm I'm over here talking crazy to them and all this staying in the kids, staying in the child's place. I see your parents didn't raise you right. I'm talking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so, you're having fun with it. That's, oh my oh as a heel. Oh, being a heel is so much fun. Oh my goodness. And my brother's a heel now. Young gun <laughs> Chucky D. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Well, listen, hey, I I'm uh I, I have a couple of questions that I ask everybody that I want to ask sure. you. Okay. So the first one is is what do you think uh is your uh your uh your best or your biggest success in life? My biggest success in life. I honestly don't know. Mm. I don't I don't know what my big I because I just enjoy you know go through the motions of life and just trusting God. Yeah. But everything, and um, I think wrestling is is like the biggest. No, 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 no. It's not wrestling. It's my wife. Mm. You got to the right answer there. That, <laughs> that was the perfect answer. Yeah, yeah. 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 She's gonna listen to this and be like, "You better say that." Yeah. You didn't walk in here yet, so I had to get that out quick. Yeah, I got a good one now. Yeah. Being with her, you know, being with my wife, and I have a, I have a, I have a great wife. Um, you do, and it sounds like I'm you have great. a family, too. Yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she crazy just like me. And <laughs> our crazies met, met real good. 
That's what we for, man, is you got to find somebody who can match your crazy because everybody's yeah. crazy in some way, you know. You know, you know, and then you, you, sir, then another thing with you, you, I mean, I watch your, uh, your, you know, uh, dad jokes and stuff. <laughs> it's like when I see you, it's like, dang, I do the same thing with my, my daughter and, and my kids. I you know, do certain stuff and, you know, joke around or, you know, they're always with me. You know, if I go DoorDash on the side, my daughter hangs with me. So hey, I'll be up to two, three in the morning. Door, door dash, he's up in the car with me. You see, she's asleep or she's helping out or whatever, but they're always with me. Yeah, they're always with me because I had that relationship with them. That's and that's the thing, man. I gotta say, like, my kids, I am so grateful for them. They've saved my life in so many ways. And and one of the things I, I was talking to Tito Santana not too long ago, Tito. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had him on the on the podcast a little while back. Man, that, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Girls in cars. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he had he had mentioned he. I asked him if he had to do it over again, would he do it the same? And he said no because he missed so much of his kids' lives. And I thought about my Ooh. life. And I thought about how how I you know I thought I was going to be a pro wrestler when I was 17, 18 years old. I thought I was going to tour with the WWE, all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. I would have missed so much. And this this time of my life, I mean, you understand, you got kids about the same yeah. age. And this time of my life, having a 16, 14, 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, it, it's it, watching them. This is my favorite time, watching them become who they're going to become. You know, right. watching, right. Getting, get, this is where you're finally getting a sense. I'm mm-hmm. finally getting a sense of who they're going to be. And they're all going to be so different, but successful in their own ways. And that's just so awesome. You it's know. awesome just to see yeah. it. And you, you're taking part of it. And I was talking with um, a Pastor Kenneth Johnson, uh, a senior who we call a WF, WF legend, a Slip. I, I, oh, I know him personally. And oh, you do? Yes, I nice. do. You have to do. Oh, that's awesome. If you want to connect me with him, I got you. Oh, yes, I would. That would be awesome. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to him tomorrow, and I'll, um, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll um, get him in contact with you. And yeah, everything. Exactly. Give me, yeah, just inbox me your number, and I'll give it to him. I will for sure. Yeah. Last, last question I uh, I ask everybody, and that is, at one point, we hope I know. It sounds like you've been to a lot of funerals in your life, but one day, one day, you know, you're, you know, forty years from now, you're going to pass away, yeah. and there'll be a eulogy. What do you hope is the one thing that someone says about you in your eulogy? That I love the people. Hmm. That I love the people. That I, you know, and that I was uh, an example of Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm a lot different, and I'm because I'm really not about me. Because, you know, like I said, you know, at the end of, you know, after the, the sermon is preached, they're just doing the viewing of the, of, the, of the body, and, you know, in the, in my, my culture and stuff, they get to falling out uh, yeah. <laughs> after the food, but food. Like, yeah. um, like uh, Eric, um, I forgot his name, TNA. When they did the um, the funeral for the uh, that um, I guess that the Aces of Apes Club, oh, uh, right. I've got Eric Eric Young. Eric Young was up there acting acting the fool at the casket. That my, that's a lot of people in my culture that I, the black culture they be falling <laughs> out, passing out and stuff. I didn't seen it all. I didn't, the Academy Awards I call it the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, but but on a serious note, but I'm and, and I told my wife. You know, God forbid, no time soon. But um, is that when, if something do happen to me, you know, have the viewing at the beginning, 
But at the end, at the after the message, everybody leave because the last thing I want people to receive is the word from God. That's and awesome. leave with that and everything. Man. It's not about me. Well, you, you know, know I, you know. Here's the thing. I it, this is what I love about having a podcast is I get to learn about people and their stories and and learn who they are. And what I can tell about you is you are you are a good man who who loves God. To God be the and loves wrestling, and that's oh man, so, yes, sir. So, I love wrestling. I, I, I love my wrestling. Yeah, you know, I well, got hey, bullied for it. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll uh, you know, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to uh, wrap this up here. But for anybody who's listened, follow Princeton King. Where's your? Give us the name of your church one more time. Corinthian Missionary Baptist Church, um, seventy one West Fifth Street in the city of Stockton, California. Nine five two zero six. Our model is it's a new day. Yes, it is. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That, that's our motto. That's a dog. That's a dog whistle to all wrestling fans. Get out there. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Get out there and and uh, and and I, I I even though that our faiths are different, I love that you have the faith that you do, and uh, and uh, love it. I love I love talking to you, and it's been great for everybody who's listening. Amen. Please subscribe to the podcast. We still got a lot more stuff coming up. I'm trying to work. We're coming up on a one year anniversary. I'm trying. We got a couple of bites on a pretty exciting, possibly an exciting one year anniversary guest. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. No promises, but I got a couple of things brewing. So, okay. Anyhow, well, well, thanks, man. And we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. It was an honor and a privilege, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you.